There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is designed to be an inspirational thought leadership platform that advances the conversation on living with passion and inspiration and working on purpose. And as I'm committed to helping create a world where people actually want to go to work, the content choices are designed to help equip leaders inside organizations to make work a fulfilling part of life so employees thrive, give their best performance, and want to stay. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use. Much of the content we discuss on this program is a reflection of the work I do, so as you listen, if you catch a glimpse of anything I can do to help you along your own journey, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. And let's open a conversation about what's happening for you and how I might be able to help. Now, at any rate, I'm glad we're connected. Thanks for listening. With us today is Dr. Carrie Israel, who served as the district president of Collin College in Dallas, a multi-campus operation serving more than 53,000 students annually from 1999 to 2015. He currently serves as the Executive Advisory Board of the Campus Works, Inc., and chairs the Jewish Community Relations Council of Springfield, Central Illinois. Additionally, he is an advisory board member for Greenlight Credentials in Dallas, Texas, and has a consulting practice as well. We'll be talking about what I consider to be his enlightened leadership during those 15 years, or 16 years, at Collin College, College in the hopes that we can all glean a few things from for our own leadership. He joins us today from Springfield, Illinois. Dr. Israel, welcome to Working on Purpose. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it very much. You're so welcome, and I really, really want to share with our listeners a few things I've learned about you and that those 16 years that you spent at the college. I think there's a lot we can glean from you and be inspired by. So you started at the college in 1999. So help us understand when you first joined, Now I know this was a while back here, so go back to your memory banks, about some of the problems that you encountered when you first arrived at Colin, Colin College. What did you set out to immediately address? Well, it was really interesting in that the board of trustees, and there were nine members, had a couple specific um, objectives or goals they wanted to accomplish um, uh, they were a little bit nervous uh, hiring someone um, from, um, they said, a Yankee. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, I did. But um, there hadn't been any uh, uh, recent enrollment growth, even though the population of the service area was really growing, and it has been really growing for the last uh, 15 years. The other thing is they tried to pass a bond to uh, do capital improvements and deferred maintenance, and uh, they, they couldn't pass the bond. Um, so those were, and then the, the third was, they had a nursing um, program at the time that was only graduating 15, 16 students. Well, now the nursing program is graduating hundreds and hundreds of um, uh, students. So those were the three things that um, that the board was very interested in me tackling uh, almost immediately. I waited three to four months to 
understand the culture a little bit. Uh, great faculty, solid uh, programs, but no national or exemplary programs. And and so we went to work uh, quickly to pass a bond, which we did, which we passed, and to look at what I call, and we can get into it, the why rather than how. You know, why do we exist? And a lot of companies, businesses, um, talk about how they do things, but, but I think it's important to answer how uh, questions with why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, and to that end, Dr. Israel, if you would, I mean, it's, it, you really, you have really experienced something pretty phenomenal in being able to lead Colin College the way that you did in that time period. So take us back then. What opportunities did you see in the community that you knew Colin College could and should address or address differently, that, that aspect of the why? What did you see? Well, there, there's a very uh, outdated uh, mission, and the mission said that we would offer occupational programs and transfer programs. It didn't say why we were doing that, and um, they did not have, which I thought was interesting, core values. And what really makes me move forward is our, our values, our core values, what we hold dearly uh, to succeed. So we went about, and that's the first thing that I did um, uh, before even uh, passing the bond. The first thing I did is I brought in 600 people from the community, the faculty, the staff, the students, um, and not-for-profits, everyone. 600 people were brought together to create a new mission and to create a passion uh, for core values. So what's interesting that I found is that People, you know, they, the college brought in people, but nowhere did anyone bring in 600 people to talk, you know, and to give their ideas and to respect their ideas. And so I think that was critically important. Um, and we ended up with a mission that talks about being student and community-centered, not just a college in the community, but a community college. And to develop skills, strengthen character. Isn't it interesting why we're doing this? Why are we having an education to strengthen character, to challenge your intellect, to make sure that we're focusing on the community as well as the students? Um, and then we did our core values. And we said we had a passion. We just didn't list core. We had a passion for learning, for service and involvement for creativity and innovation, for dignity and respect, for academic excellence, for integrity, a passion for all this. And it resonated with the community and with the college. Hold on, Dr. Israel. I want to go further into this just for just a moment because this is so important. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that I do, I do, and I'm not the only one, certainly, who saw your, your leadership 16 years is quite enlightened. So what I think is very curious and that I want to really focus on for our listeners is that you brought together 600 people. So one of the things that I'm focused on for my business is is providing visioneering strategic offerings for a, a, a combined you know future future for the, all the stakeholders. So you brought right. in who who were those 600 people? Were they were they students? Were they community stewards? Who was who was in that crowd? Sure, sure. Well, they were the community uh, leaders. Um, they were legislators. 
Uh, they they were United States Congress uh, people. They were people who headed up the not-for-profits, whether it's uh, Lynn from the um, Advocacy Center. It was um, the individuals that helped create, created the college. We had a committee of 100 with them, too. Uh, there were people that were involved on our advisory uh, committees at the uh, college. Students uh, absolutely were welcome. Staff, and usually at uh, colleges and universities, you know, it's driven by the faculty. Um, but, you know, here we had staff people. We had custodians commenting on what this college should be, uh, as well as uh, fantastic nationally renowned professors. So we were all kind of equal in a room, but a lot of community mayors showed up. I mean, I was I was really pleasantly surprised of all the people that wanted to participate, and it lasted the entire day. And then we came back and had drafts, and we sent the drafts out um, of where we were going to embrace this mission and to embrace um, new um, and first-time core values. Um, and today, which is interesting, core values um, are part of um, the entire fabric of the institution. In fact, people on um, their business cards or digital cards list the core values, as did I, on the back of our cards. So um, people, you have to keep um, talking about it. A lot of people don't know about um, college's mission. You know, Disney World, I think it's uh, their mission is let's have fun. Um, you know, ours was trying to make it really simple, student and community-centered, and to strengthen character. We we want really engaged individuals, and we started doing a lot of things um, to meet the why we were doing things. So, Dr. Israel, I really want to celebrate that. I didn't know that you had done that in our previous conversations. I don't, I didn't encounter you saying that, but that's exactly what I wanted to celebrate in this conversation is that is enlightened in my view. In fact, I had a conversation on air with Dr. Raj Sisodia. He wrote a book called Firms of Endearment several years ago, where essentially he's saying exactly what you, he's advocating for exactly what you did. He's advocating for bringing together all the stakeholders in a way that they are in an engaged conversation to learn how it is, what it is they want from that organization so as to endear each of those stakeholder communities to the organization. And together, they're stronger. They're usually much more profitable. They're much more impactful. And you did that there at Collin College. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was bumpy. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm not going to say that one time. The faculty wanted to informational picket me, which was, I, I thought that was interesting um, because, you know, we were changing um, what, the, what was happening at an institution. Um, and, uh, um, but they embraced it. You know, I, we, I keep saying we because it was we. We all did it. It wasn't me. It was we. And um, I didn't have, like, some presidents and colleges at university have their cabinet I had our leadership team. Who was on our leadership team? Yeah, well, it was the uh, head of the campuses, the, uh, the provost of the campuses. It was head of um, uh, um, HR, but it was, also, it was also faculty. Faculty usually are not on a cabinet of a college or university. Um, but why I, why I chose um, when I retired from um, um, from the uh, college where I chose to affiliate, and this is not an advertisement, I chose to affiliate with Campus Works because 
their mission is to collaborate with colleges and universities to transform institutional environments so students, faculty, staff, and the board and the community thrive. Well, it's the same thing that I was uh, attempting to do, and so it, it made sense for me. They weren't in the mission to make a profit. Of course they have to make a profit. You have to meet budget. See, I, I talked about, and again, some people didn't like my comments, I talked about the business of education because it is a business still. you got to make uh, uh, money to pay the salaries. you got to pay the salaries. you got to do deferred maintenance. It is the business of education. It doesn't mean that we're not exemplary and that we're not fostering quality uh, teaching. Right. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that tremendously. And then on top of that, I want to build on something that you shared with me in one of our calls. Um, you have a really distinctive view on life that, of course, I celebrate and share. <laughs> and you, you told me that you believe we're all here as humans to contribute to humanity and that it's important to treat everyone with dignity and respect. Say more about why that is so important to you and how that really in, infused and embodied the work that you did or do. Okay, thank you for asking that. I'm glad, you know, you're so famous. I'm glad I have a <laughs> similar outlook. <laughs> no, I, I mean that. I do, I do a lot of homework on everyone. Yeah, yeah, I'm really impressed with what you've accomplished. You know, we, I really believe we're on this earth. I believe this. And you can ask people that know me. We're here to serve. We're, 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 we're here to repair the world. We're, we're here to be kind, to be exemplary. We're here to help others succeed. That's why we're here. Now, I could be a person picking up the garbage. Doesn't mean that I don't, that's all I do because maybe I'm going over and helping out um, the homeless um, and and feeding them. We're we're here um, and I believe that that's what we should be doing, helping others achieve their dreams. We're here to serve. I, I, I believe that. I always have believed that. Uh, religiously, I believe it, um, and um, I think it's important. But we need to do. We need to, in order to do this, we need to have a living. You know, you've got to have a living. You got. You know, I think uh, money might not buy happiness, but it does buy uh, freedom of choice. And and I and I like competition, but people look at competition as butting heads. If you look at the second definition in the dictionary of competition, it means to strive together for. Mm. And that's what we need. We we need to be working together. I want to get to my mall theory at one point with you. And now it's not a good theory anymore, but, you know, uh, 15 years ago, my mall theory of how to work with the college really worked um, because I think it – we're at that juncture now in our country of, you know, really divided and split. Uh, we're at the juncture of really trying worldwide too, of really how do we work better together? Um, and how do we succeed as a society? Um, and so, um, I think we have to take different approaches and, and we have to be flexible. 
I agree. And with that, let's take our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Dr. Carrie Israel, who served as the district president of Colin College. Collin College in Dallas, a multi-campus operation serving more than 53,000 students annually from 1999 to 2015. He currently serves as the Executive Advisory Board of Campus Works, Inc., and chairs the Jewish Community Relations Council of Springfield, Central Illinois. We've been talking a bit about his early years there at the college. After the break, we'll hear more about just what he did to transform it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. Carrie Israel, who served as the district president of Collin College in Dallas, a multi-campus operation serving more than 53,000 students annually from 1999 to 2015. He currently serves on the Executive Advisory Board of Campus Works, Inc., and chairs the Jewish Community Relations Council of Springfield, Central Illinois. Additionally, he is an advisory board member of Greenlight Credentials in Dallas, Texas, and has a consulting practice. He joins us today from Springfield, Illinois. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this next part of our conversation, Dr. Israel, I want to surface that for listeners, for listeners who don't know, um, part of my background is, has been a meaning and work and identity researcher. So meaning is a very critical part of the work that I do today because it is a, it's a chief motivator. So in your background, I think it's very, very interesting that you left a very lucrative career in law to take the president role at the college because you wanted more meaning in your work. So tell us what was missing and what were you looking for in the way of meaning in your new career? Well, you know, again, you know, being um, a lawyer, um, you, well, I was a poor kid raised in Detroit with, uh, uh, I have a twin brother. We're opposites. He, you know, he's good looking. He's skinny. He's a wonder guy. He's quiet. We're really opposites. <laughs> I'm noisy. I, I, I have a size 16 shoe. He has a size 12. Anyway. So the bottom, I didn't think we were twins at one day. So the bottom line is, and it's important to me, is that how, how I uh, progressed in my life was teachers, my sixth and seventh grade teachers, math teachers, really embraced me. Um, my dad painted houses. And so we, we, we didn't have much money. Uh, and I liked the, the learning aspect, but it gave me opportunity. And going to college, I was the first one in our family with my twin brother. We went together to go to college. I couldn't get up there. I didn't have a car. We didn't have any money. Um, what did I do? I washed pots and pans at Michigan State University. I bust dishes at Alpha Phi Sorority. I painted every dormitory room at Michigan State University. It took two years with a, a guy named John Tabinka. If I didn't work, 
if I didn't work, I couldn't have gone to college. And I still had loans to repay. And thank goodness I had the ability to have loans. So education transformed me. So when I went into law practice, I made money and I paid off my loans. It was great. But it wasn't meaningful for me. And people, when I went to took my first uh, job in higher education, people thought something was wrong with me, my friends. What, what are you doing this? Why are you giving up this? They just couldn't believe it. Why are you taking a pay cut? Well, what's interesting is uh, you know, all my friends, uh, I went from kindergarten through law school with two of my best friends. Well, no one, you know, as of 10 years ago, who's practicing law anymore. You know, so, you know, there's not, you know, I'm not criticizing lawyers. I'm just saying that for me, it, it, it gave me a great livelihood, um, but it wasn't um, meaningful like being a part of transforming people's lives through education and giving people opportunity. You know, I got opportunity. People looked out for me and gave me opportunity. Um, and I'm grateful for that. And I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, develop new programs that no one has ever developed to create opportunity. And how I got into higher education is I um, ran one of the first paralegal programs in the United States. The concept didn't even exist. And they were going to call it legal assistant, but I have a list. So I kept saying, I don't want to call it legal assistant. So Marvin <laughs> Duckworth from the American Bar Association says, um, well, let's do paralegal. I said, well, para means part, part legal. So that's what we did. Well, now we have a whole new profession. And, and I was a part of that for the country. I was a part of creating the first hazardous waste remediation program in the United States, the first alternative teacher certification program at a community college in the United States. There's 400 now. Giving people opportunity where, and, new, and new jobs that are existing. Well, I'd like to talk about that later, too. <laughs> well, let's do this if we can. This this is great, Dr. Israel. This is just great. It's just, you know, I always tell people when I'm working with them as if they're my clients or here on the show, you have one precious life. What are you going to do with it? Don't squander it. Right. And you are definitely doing something with that. And and to that end, I want to share what some of the things that you did at Collin College to strengthen the staff. There were some things that you did that were very controversial that you thought were very, very important. Share with us a couple of the things that you did, like... I'm going to just start with the salary piece of it. Well, well, I, I found it to be really interesting on salary. I asked when I, I, I started all college day. And, and people complained about that, but I brought everyone together twice a year and to talk about what the college is doing, accountability, where we're going, to get input and, and, and so forth. And some people didn't want to come. And, I, you know, we paid for their lunches and everything. Some people didn't want to, uh, to come to all. Uh, a college uh, a day. Some people didn't want to talk about uh, things of this nature. So at one of the all college day um, meetings, I asked, um, I, I said, I looked at payroll and six of you are getting food stamps. And I was just stunned that individuals working at a college or university were on food stamps. So I said, I, we're going to not allow that. We're going to give you enough money on an hourly uh, um, rate or on your salary so that you don't qualify uh, for food stamps, which meant I had to get, uh, raise everyone else up because if I raised the, the base, I had to keep raising the middle and the top and so forth. 
And so um, that that was difficult because some people made the comments, well, um, uh, some of them shouldn't have so many children. <laughs> some of them didn't have any children that they were still on food stamps. So a lot of, lot of um, um, uh, angst about that. The, the other thing is that um, I raised um, the, the salary of the faculty. I mean, they're, they're the primary individuals doing this. And I had the Chronicle of Higher Education contact me and said, you're paying your faculty as much as Brown University faculty in Rhode Island. And my response to the Chronicle of Higher Education, which probably wasn't a good one for the Chronicle, is, so what? Because they thought, well, here, you know, here's this you know, major university, and you're just a community college. What are you doing paying faculty the same uh, compensation and professors at Brown? Well, they had more. They had more challenges than Brown. They took individuals that had um, uh, that had. Uh, they weren't homogeneous. They, some of them needed remediation. Some of them had GEDs. Some of them, uh, you know, most of them were part time. They weren't full time. Um, uh, a lot of single uh, mothers. Uh, I instituted um, online. You know, this is before online even existed. Oh my goodness, online education. I had a philosophy. A professor said to me. You can't teach my uh, discipline online. And I said, well, that's interesting. Harvard University is teaching philosophy online. <laughs> so there was, you know, it's true. So there was a lot of resistance to some of the things that I was, uh, I was uh, doing. I froze tuition, which really scared um, a lot of individuals because it's, it's one-third of your resources. I froze tuition. Now, mind you, this is, you know, 15 years. Now it's 20 years ago. Now they're talking about free college, and I'll talk about that later. I don't want totally free college. But, yes, it's too expensive now. But, but this, is, this is 20 years ago. I'm freezing uh, tuition because of uh, the affordability issue. Now there's a trillion dollars worth of debt uh, for students uh, across the, uh, more than a trillion uh, uh, countries. So I started looking at, well, and I froze, my goodness. The tax rate. And so, well, how can you do that? That's another source of revenue for the college. Because I think it was important to build community connectivity and important to have accessibility for students. And, and it made us work. It made us work and show up and to develop schedules for the students. Right? Everyone could learn. On, uh, online, nor did they want to. So I created weekend college where you could actually get the degree on the weekend. And you know now, you know, and there, I think about three, four thousand people were in uh, weekend college because the single mothers didn't have to pay for childcare. They, it would be a weekend. They would leave it with a love version with a neighbor, um, and they would come and they take it. And I always offered because I knew where I was. I was in Texas. I always offered Sunday classes after church got out. I wasn't going to offer it during the morning like some people wanted to. No, let people go to church. That's important. So the bottom line is we had different um, uh, avenues for indiv individuals to succeed that made them more comfortable. 
Dr. Israel, so many things in there that I just really want to applaud. Thank you for this. Um, the, the example is just fantastic for our listeners. First, I want to I want to call out that you, you were truly a leader. In other words, you were willing to do what you thought was right for the community and the people you were serving at the expense of being ridiculed by people who, you know, were very, very fast to, to tell you what they didn't agree with. And that is true leadership. So I want to call that out. Um, and second, I, I also want to call out that and another reason I wanted to have you on the show is you talk about things in the way that we that I speak today around conscious capitalism, being conscious of what you're doing to create a better world. Um, and that business, and you know, in your case, you were running a business in the form of education, right. Right, right? That you could make a difference in people's lives, the people that worked at the at the college, the people that you you taught through the college. You were very aware that you could make a difference through this mechanism, and that is another reason I wanted to showcase you on working on purpose. Well, thank you very much for those nice comments. But see, by um, visiting with you and getting to know you, I, I learned some things. And I think that's very important. Um, and look what happens. And look what, look what you're doing. We have negative workplace cultures. Now, what causes a negative workplace culture? Well, there's no defined purpose. There's, there's a lack of opportunity. There's a lack of success. People like success. There's a lack of appreciation. There's a lack of connection, no connectivity. I love what you're doing in the podcast and so forth. You can give me great ideas on mm. how to reach out to people. But what resonates with me most is that you're listening to everyone's voice, their ideas, their commitment. This is all critical for us to succeed. I, I'd like to, if I can, talk about my mall theory because sure I go ahead have to take, I, I think you have to take things in time you know i was way ahead of my time on the mall theory my, now malls are failing but I, I hope we have enough time to get into future because i'd like to do a little bit of it well i i really looked at how very successful malls were attracting shoppers in the community at large um they always had the malls always had um four to five anchors you know, you know, famous stores, Macy's, I don't want to, you know, Nordstrom's, whatever. So I wanted to create um, five anchors to draw students and the communities to see our other programs of 50 or 60 that people might not. That's what the malls do. They bring you in through the anchors. Not anymore. We'll get to that later. So, but I'm doing this again 16 years ago, 17 years ago. So I created the um, five anchors. And the anchors I created was healthcare. And, and nursing and respiratory therapy. I wanted to be the best program in the United States. And the nursing program became one of the five out of 1,800 in the United States. Um, technology. This is before technology was really, uh, and we became a national center for cybersecurity and convergence technology. Customized training for business and industry. We weren't even doing stuff with business and industry. I like to say biggie. Business, industry, government, and education. That's where we sort of steam. What, what do I like about STEAM? Science, technology, engineering, the arts. People keep forgetting the arts and math. Um, yes. The arts are so important. Yes, they are. For thinking and for doing and, and, and so forth. And tuition and tax rate. Those were my anchors. That's what we would stand for. And we went about through our core values and our passion to take these anchors and make them exceptional creative, innovative, treating everyone with dignity and respect. 
and so forth. So we didn't fight with the taxpayers all the time. If I'm lowering your tax rate, how are you going to fight with me, right? Um, and so, you know, it, it, it was important. But how did I accomplish this with less money coming in? Well, I consolidated public relations, research, administration. You know, why would you have, since it was, you know, you could, computers, why would I have to have at every campus a, a public relations person? You know, consolidate it. Consolidate research. Oh, the amount of administrators. Whew, I couldn't believe it. I eliminated baseball and softball and volleyball. I had, the board got a little nervous. We had like 200 people at the board meet because I eliminated the <laughs> baseball team. The baseball team hadn't won, hadn't won ever. They had never had a winning season in like 14 <laughs> years. Two people came out to watch baseball. The Rough Riders built a stadium in Frisco that our baseball team didn't want to use. They wanted their own baseball field. And um, I eliminated it. And, oh, you know, there were articles in the Dallas Morning News. I was a terrible person for eliminated. I kept basketball and tennis because we were nationally um, uh, recognized and just kept a, a couple of, uh, of those uh, uh, activities, right? They, they wanted me to start football. Football, you're kidding me? With the University of Texas and Texas right. football. So, so, but that didn't have anything to do with, in our mind, uh, uh, for, for service and involvement for our community. No one was watching it, right? No one was participating. And you know what? I am a capitalist. They weren't winning. This is not horseshoes. Close is not, you know, good enough. Right. So they, they, didn't have a, they didn't have a winning season. But that's the most people we ever had during my tenure at a board meeting. Um, right? Right, so I can imagine. The, and when the state of Texas had a tough time, and they did, people at other colleges and universities were eliminating programs like the arts. I was um, having the arts flourish, and I was eliminating sports. That was mm. controversial. I'm, I'm not telling you. I can, especially in the state of Texas, I can imagine. Yes. <laughs> hold, your, hold your thought, Dr. Israel, and let's grab our last break really quick. Hold on. I'm your host, okay. Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Dr. Carrie Israel, who served from 1999 to 2015 as the district president of Collin College here in, Dal- in Dallas. It's a multi-campus operation serving more than 53,000 students annually. He currently serves on the executive advisory board of Campus Works, Inc., and chairs the Jewish Community Relations Council of Springfield, Central Illinois. After the break, we're going to hear a little bit more about the future of where things are going for him and his life. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Purpose. 
Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. Carrie Israel, who served from 1999 to 2015 as the district president of Cohen College here in, D- in Dallas. It's a multi-campus operation serving more than 53,000 students annually. He currently serves as the executive advisory board of Campus Works Inc. and chairs the Jewish Community Relations Council of Springfield, Central Illinois. Additionally, he is an advisory board member for Greenlight Credentials here in Dallas and has a consulting practice. He joins me today from Springfield, Illinois. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for our last bit of time here, Dr. Israel, we don't have much time here, but I really do want to focus a bit on some of the things that some of the initiatives that you launched while you were there at the at the college, and and also your perspective as you hinted at before of the the future of what you're you're trying to accomplish. Um, before I go on to that, though, was there anything else you wanted to share with us about what you were up to to change the mission of the college from vocational programs to more student and community centered programs? Yeah, I, I, we tried to pay attention, all of us, to who we were serving. So we created all veteran classes taught by veterans. Because veterans coming, and thank God for our veterans, they were coming yes. and they didn't want to be with other people at the beginning. So we created all veteran um, classes. I think it was, and, and it still uh, recognizes a great uh, veteran uh, friendly uh, institution of higher education. That was very important. We were going to lose our charter to Phi Theta Kappa, which is the International Honorary Society uh, for Students, uh, the honor students at community colleges. Um, we became a leader nationwide, um, and the students, uh, and, and we induct hundreds and hundreds in Phi Theta Kappa. Um, it's the corollary to the University of Phi Beta Kappa. We created Psi Beta, which is the uh, honorary society for psychology majors. We created the Dignity Initiative at the at the college to treat mostly women better, to have dignity and respect. So we, we created initiatives that we worked on. We did a homeless initiative. We changed the name of the college from Collin County Community College District which was known as Quad C. So on your T-shirt, what does Quad C mean? So we changed it to Collin College, which which uh, had some board members pretty excited at me. And they had a, a mascot was Express. Well, what is Express? Well, no one knew what it was, and it certainly didn't have a logo. So we let the students pick uh, a mascot, and they picked the Cougars, right? We lit the churches. Now, this, you know, I got into trouble a little bit with this, too. That's okay. We lit churches, use our empty classroom spaces on Sunday yep. while they were searching or uh, building new facilities. My goodness gracious. Why not let them use uh, the, the, the facilities that were dead, right? All they had to do was clean up their mess, right? We helped start the Collin County Business Alliance with Sanjeev Yajnik who's a CEO uh, and a mastermind uh, um, at the Capital One. Um, um, we created all our campuses to be voting precincts. Hey, that makes sense. We did rock the vote. We wanted to engage uh, faculty, staff, and students and board members. So we got actively involved with Rotary, Children's Advocacy Center. I could go on and on. Concurrent joint admissions and academies with the high schools. You know, so we did a lot. So... I'd like to talk a little bit about the future because, you know, right now, you know, we're talking on phone, you know, where's telemedicine? You know, I can, I can um, um, uh, use my phone. I can get my temperature and I can call a doctor um, or, uh, and the doctor can, she can uh, prescribe uh, something over the phone. We can do it at FaceTime. Um, 
you know, we take pictures by phone. Um, uh, so what did I start doing? I started um, giving out laptops at the libraries to check out. Why? Because mm. some people couldn't afford a laptop, right? We don't wear watches unless they're connected to the uh, uh, cloud, and, and we certainly are ordering through Amazon, that's for sure, and, and malls are in trouble. And we bank online, we order groceries, we have self-driving vehicles, I've seen them. Well, where I think things are going, and I think um, we have to do something at college and universities, I remember we should keep putting it to all these buildings. I think we should build these huge community centers where learning takes place, um, education with universities. I, I, we created the higher education center. What are we doing creating a higher education center in Collin County when we didn't offer baccalaureate degrees? Well, now we do. But, uh, but what were we doing that for? Because, again, it's that compete. You're, you know, you're striving together. You're sharing the operational costs. So online learning is going to occur. We're going to see a lot of artificial intelligence and data, uh, which means that we're going to have to have more shared decision-making. We're going to use data and analytics to personalize learning environments for students to succeed. You know, I just read a statistic that, um, you know, it was in the 70s, it was computer automation. Now it's cyber physical uh, artificial intelligence. So, by 2030, this is what I read, 75 to 375 million workers, this is globally, or 3% to 14% of the entire global workforce will need to embrace new systems. They mm-hmm. need to learn these new systems, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so that's what we should be doing. We should, we should have virtual classrooms right now. We should create community centers of learning. You know, we should work better with business. You know, they can give badges now. Well, we should take those badges and, and certificates and bundle them together and issue a degree if that's what people want. So, but we've got to work better together. You know, micro credentials, faculty certification, um, doing more programming with K through 12 business and government is a must. Boot camps. Why aren't we doing boot camps? You know, again, on the weekend, that's why I created weekend college. On the weekend, we got a lot of empty facilities that were paying a lot of money. Uh, to keep open, right? So create some boot camps. I, we had uh, individuals that were homeschooled students. I let them use all the science labs. I didn't charge them. They were homeschooled. But they were still taxpayers in our community. We had 300 and some homeschool, right? So I, I think we have to work better together. I do. I do, too, and, and I want to also just call out something really, really obvious, which is going to make maybe a few of our listeners chuckle. It's just occurring to me so, so, so drastically in this conversation, Dr. Israel, and that is, what's a leader? Somebody who's out in front of the rest of the crowd. That's what you've been doing. You've been out in front of the crowd. And it takes some real courage to do that. And I really appreciate and applaud what you've been doing to blaze this trail. And I hope that our listeners hearing this are emboldened and with courage to do the same because you've, you're, you really are a beautiful beacon and a showcase of what, what, what does leadership look like when you actually get out there and do it. So let me, let me just make sure that I call that out. Um, and now you've been talking well, a bit about, well, well, thank you, but, but I, but I learn from leaders like you and others. I mean, I, I do. And I think that's important. And it's important because leadership is lonely too. It is lonely. Yes, it is. I, I can't, I can't be friends with, with 3000 uh, colleagues. I don't call them employees. I can be friendly, but I can't be friends. So it's important to, to look, you know, what father Clark told me he was the president of, 
in Colorado Breeze, as he said, Carrie, get your uh, sustenance, sustenance from outside. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and, and that means the community and leaders like you. Uh, well, I completely agree with that. That's one of the reasons that I bring together leaders to, to, to nurture them because they do need that. They need that sustenance and they can't get it from the people they serve, generally speaking. It's not necessarily appropriate um, or right. sufficient. And so I, I very much appreciate that. And it's a privilege, Dr. Israel, as you know, to be able to serve leaders like that. So, um, it, it, you know, I, I, I count my lucky stars that that's the work that I get to do. Um, so you were talking before about some of the future ideas that you had, which I thought were fantastic. I want to go back a little bit now, if we can, for our listeners, and I want you to share, if you will, a few of the specific, specific initiatives that you launched to bring business, industry, government, and education together, because that is magnificent. If they can hear what you did and how they did that, they might have more access to create something for the future for themselves. So one thing for sure I'd like you to talk about is that you were the first education summit in North Texas. Um, say more about that, if you would. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that no one did an education summit in North Texas. And so, again, I worked with uh, Sanjeev Yajnik on this um, and Manoj Cuddy, who is now the, the uh, green credential, but Manoj was over another company. And, and what we did, we brought together all the uh, mostly the business leaders. Um, um, and community leaders, you know, not nonprofits, to really talk about what they needed um, from us and what they needed in our community to make sure that their businesses were thriving. And we got a lot of ideas. And then the Business Alliance would form that, you know, 30 to 50 CEOs of major companies in Collin County. As, you know, Collin County was just booming. The DFW was booming. And, and so that became uh, very important to have this continuous dialogue and discussion. You know, the board meetings at the college are now, uh, and have been um, before I left, were all um, on, online. You, could, you, you didn't have to drive to the board meeting. You, can just, mm. you could just watch it on your phone. You know? So we really wanted to make things accessible, but we needed people's input. We need to ask them, what do you want out of this college? Um, you know, it's not what we want. It's what, you know, we're here to serve you. Remember, we're here to be student and community centered, centric. It's student and community. I, uh, that's what's real important. So, so we developed a lot of uh, uh, initiatives. Like we had constant dialogue, which I, I think is important. The idea that you've given me that I'm going to share with a lot of you, and it's you, is that instead of uh, constantly uh, having small little meetings, hey, let's everyone as CEOs now podcast for seven minutes, take some of your ideas, and do it on a weekly basis or on you know bi-monthly basis to keep everyone informed on are you meeting your strategic objective. What are your critical success factors? Uh, how, what can we do to better serve you, right? So we have to use this new technology um, because it's very hard to get everyone's calendar uh, together, right? So I think a culture that allows people to flourish is a culture that will succeed and, and, and it will transform. And so we, we, we had constant um, uh, discussions going on. You know, that's why I was working 60 to 70 hours a week. And so everyone said, oh, it's now time to retire. Retire? 
I've been working since <laughs> I've been working since I was 12 years old. You know, so that's that's why I affiliated with different organizations to really keep moving forward on what we're supposed to be accomplishing. And I didn't think that you know being 60 something was so old, but I guess it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, not to I'm me. Riding a bike. Not we, to me. I, I, I think you know. I'm riding a bike now, and I have for the last five years. Um, not a motorcycle, a bike. You know, forty to fifty miles every other day. But today, I can't. It's snowing. I, I got to get back to Texas. <laughs> no doubt. Well, we need you, Doctor Israel. So don't don't retire. We need you. I'm not gonna, no, no, we're, no, no, I'm not gonna. We're 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 at the very end of the show here, Doctor Israel. Can you just share with us just a final pearls of wisdom in say 15 seconds? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I want everyone to be happy and healthy, and I want everyone to um, serve others, to make others succeed, and by serving others, you will succeed. I completely agree with that. A beautiful way to finish, Dr. Israel. I thank you so much for sharing your heart, your wisdom, your soul with us today. It's just been a a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's been my honor to be a part of your program. Thank you. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Dr. Kerry Israel, connect with him, get in touch with him. The best way to do so is via his email. It's kerryaisrael at gmail.com. Let me spell that for you. C-A-R-Y-A. I-S-R-A-E-L at gmail.com. Carrie A. Israel at gmail.com. Well, we'll see you next week for another nourishing conversation. Remember that work is at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.